and welcome to the Post Party Project. My name is Amy Heinrich and I am your host. Join me as we chat all things postpartum, celebrating the highs and supporting you through the lows. Everything pregnancy and birth is just such an exciting time, but often chats about postpartum experiences get missed or overlooked because everything's about the baby, which we are also totally here for. But I'm here to hear you and hold you, figuratively speaking, and to listen to your experience. Think of this podcast as your safe space to share, vent, cry, laugh, and know that you're not alone. Now, let's get into it. In today's episode, I chat with Georgia. She is an accredited practicing dietitian who works for the conception brand Kin Fertility. She provides a range of advice as a dietitian, but today we chat about how you can optimize your health through nutrition and diet for the best possible success for your prenatal, pregnancy, and postpartum period. We chat about what nutrients to focus on when you're trying to conceive while you're pregnant and while you're postpartum, the best diet to eat when you're trying to conceive, um, and what to do if you're feeling super nauseous while pregnant and how you can also focus on key nutrients um, when you're trying not to spew. (laughs) We chat postpartum hair loss, what causes it and if there are any nutrients to focus on to assist um, with losing hair and so much more. Make sure you check out the Kin Fertility website too. They have a free checklist for preparing for pregnancy that you can put your details in um, and just check it off to make sure you are prepared as possible. Um, The website website is kinfertility, kinfertility.com.au. If you'd like to share your postpartum experience, please reach out and let me know. I'm always looking for people to chat to. Um, you can contact me on Instagram. I am at the post party project, or you can send me an email at the post party project at gmail.com. Um, if you're enjoying the post party project, make sure you click subscribe or follow so you don't miss an episode. And I would also be so grateful if you had a moment to leave me a quick review on Apple iTunes. Now let's get into today's chat. Awesome. Thanks so much for joining me today, Georgia. I've been really looking forward to having you on and chatting all things nutrition, starting from conception through to pregnancy and then postpartum, which I think postpartum stage, a lot of us stop thinking about because we get there and there's just so much else to think about. So I'm really excited to focus on some of that with you today. So yeah, thanks for joining me. No worries at all. I'm so excited to chat with you about all of these things. And um, yeah, well, thanks for having me on and thanks for taking the time to chat with me. Awesome. So yeah, would you mind telling us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Of course. So I am an accredited practicing dietitian. Um, I work for Kin or the the, um, the conception brand Kin. Um, I, you know, provide advice when it comes to all different things. Obviously, as a dietitian, we provide a range of advice. Um whether it be, you know, weight management and then fertility dietetics and things like that as well. So I guess setting mothers up for the greatest success that we possibly can when it comes to that, um, you know, prenatal period, the pregnancy period and the postpartum period as well. So really helping them to optimize their health through nutrition and their diet as well. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. So let's start from the beginning then. Um, If we're thinking about having a baby in the future, how long in advance should we start preparing our bodies like with supplements and nutrition, etc.? Yeah, no, of course. So I think generally what we recommend if you are thinking about getting pregnant anywhere between about that three month period before you start trying to get pregnant. 
So it's recommended in this three-month period that women do start to take a prenatal supplement. So anywhere between three to six months before trying to get pregnant um, and then obviously continuing this throughout the pregnancy. So it's really important from a preconception care um, perspective that both women and their partners achieve, um, you know, focus on this period to achieve healthy outcomes, both for mothers and for their babies. Um, so I guess improving your nutrition status, it can take some time um, for some women. So it's important to sort of optimize this as early as possible. So three to six months is generally the guideline. Mm, yeah, exactly. Like I like I would like to have like a second sometime next year. So I'm trying to think of it now because Ivy is just, she's just turned 18 months and I'm like, okay, I feel like I'm at the time where she's in a really good space. Like she started to sleep better in that. And I really feel like I've got a bit more time to focus on myself and I'm not as sleep deprived. So I'm like, what can I eat and like start getting back on track? And I feel like I'm going to need the most time, like six months longer, <laughs> just in case like I fall off the bandwagon a few times. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the sooner you can optimize it, I suppose, like so many of the values and so many of the suggestions that we do recommend um, do form part of a healthy, balanced diet and active lifestyle and things like that as well. So I guess getting getting started as early as possible is is obviously going to be more beneficial. Mm. And I love how you mentioned partners as well. I feel like even though there is so much more awareness around the partners, I think still so many people don't even consider it because as women, we carry the baby for the nine months. It's like you think, oh, yeah, the men just kind of like swoop in, do their job and go, but they still make half the baby. <laughs> Absolutely. Like so many, so many aspects, whether it's, you know, weight management, stress management, diet and things like that. I think men can often, you know, they don't get recognized in the whole pregnancy journey. And, and that can be both hard for men um, as well, because they want to feel part of that journey. They want to feel like they're doing the best that they can to help optimize the health of the baby as well. So I guess in that period prior to conception as well, the health of the male is also super important. Mm. What are some things that we can do in terms of nutrition to make sure that we're in the best possible state before we get pregnant? Yeah, absolutely. So I guess, um, did you want to speak a little bit to the products that we recommend or do you want to talk about setting ourselves up for pregnancy? Um, I think both. I think, yeah. I think, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think this kind of speaks a little bit to our conception checklist as well. Um, so as women on the KIN website, we have something that's called or the KIN's pregnancy checklist. And this is like a bit of an easy to understand guide, which really guides women to properly prepare themselves, ready their mind, ready their body um, and their home for what's to come when they do have a child. Um, so really preparing your body for conception, sort of there is a little bit of a checklist on our website that suggests, you know, some of the things include getting in tune with your cycle and really understanding your cycle, um, having a check-in with your GP to check whether or not there are any nutritional deficiencies that you want to correct before you do try and conceive, um, you know, taking a prenatal vitamin, three to six months before we know this is like an enhanced form of a multivitamin so um, that's always beneficial to start earlier rather than later um, as well as you know just improving your lifestyle in general and this very much applies like you said to both men and women so that's getting active um, eating a really rich balanced diet in all the macronutrients and the micronutrients and the four or five food groups um, managing our stress is a big part as well um, and then reducing our alcohol intake and, and caffeine intake and things like that. So the website, um, this checklist sort of includes all of the foundational steps that we do advise women take when they're trying to conceive or getting ready to have a baby to best prepare themselves for a safe pregnancy. 
Mm, yeah, definitely. And so with some of the supplements, um, what are the essential kind of supplements or nutrients that we need to focus on while pregnant? Yeah, so there's, um, I guess to break this down a little bit, when, when we're trying to conceive, there are two major ones that we do recommend focusing on. And then this is this expands, I guess, into pregnancy. But from a dietary perspective, when you are trying to conceive, um, we do recommend following a nutritious diet, so rich in macronutrients and micronutrients, but a particular focus is on folate and iodine. Um, so during this time, it can be really difficult for women to meet their requirements for these two key nutrients through their food alone. But a good prenatal should contain both of these things, along with um, things like omega-3 fatty acids, choline, vitamin D and zinc. So these are also some key nutrients that are really important. Um, so folate, just to give a little bit of a background on folate. So most women who are trying to conceive should be aiming for 400 micrograms daily of folate. So if a woman has enough folic acid in her body about a month before and during pregnancy, this we know that there is a lot of evidence to suggest this can help protect against, you know, a lot of the major birth defects, so such as, um, you know, to the baby's brain and spine. Um, I'll just note as well, some women may need to take higher doses of folate. Um, this might be, for instance, if they've had a previous child who did have any issues um, from a neural tube defect perspective. So some women... Um, may need to take higher requirements, but it's just best to check with your GP if this is the case. Um, also, just to note on folate, the methylated folate form is also more beneficial for women. So on the label, you might read a supplement and it'll actually be labelled as um, levomethylate levo calcium. Um, so this is actually the type of folate that's naturally found in the body. So women will respond to this type of folate a lot better. Um, and then secondly, iodine. So iodine is another key nutrient in this preconception period. So this is for the baby's brain development and nervous system development. So women who are trying to conceive should be taking an iodine supplement of about 150 micrograms per day um, and then continuing this through um, their pregnancy journey and through breastfeeding as well. Um, but this is also in addition to eating, you know, lots of healthy foods that are rich in this key nutrient. So this might be um, seafood, dairy foods and fortified breads as well. But again, recommend speaking with your GP before sort of starting any supplements just to make sure that this is the right one for you and make sure that all your levels are where they need to be. Mm, yeah, it's so tricky as well because I know a lot, like some of the mainstream ones, you go and have a look on the back and um, they might not even be the best absorbed for your body. So it's really hard that they're marketed to us in like mass and so many women would just take them and you might not even be absorbing much, which is just crazy. Yeah, and also like, I mean, no one's really, and they're not expected to be, but trained how to read the back mm. of a, a vitamin packet and it's like, you know, it says elemental versus you know it contains this much and this is elemental or it's got this form and like like mm. the general population aren't meant to know you know what that means so I think you know that's another confusing aspect of it too is understanding is this the best form for me and am I taking enough because I know it can be so tricky to understand the labels and things like that as well. Mm. Yeah definitely and I think that's really great with what you guys are doing at Kin Fertility as well like the supplement looks really great. <laughs> yeah it's um I think it is, it's still quite a new supplement, but the forms that we use within the supplement are all bioidentical forms for a woman's body. So essentially it's it's the best absorbed. And even if, 
for instance, with the folate, so um, for women who have the MTHFR gene who may not be absorbing the folate, it's never detrimental to have that the bioidentical folate anyway. So it's best just to take that form to be on the safe side rather than, you know, mm. risk taking a supplement and knowing not knowing that you have that gene and then mm. um, it not doing what it was meant to do. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the, those are kind of like the main things to look out for, the folate and the iodine. Uh, uh, is that how you say it? Yeah. <laughs> my, my brain is scattered. <laughs> um, it didn't sound right for a minute there. Um, so, and then what types of foods uh, should we be including with those things in? Yeah, so this um, then kind of transitions into, so, again, it's very similar in that preconception phase um, when you're trying to conceive and while you are pregnant. Um, so those two key nutrients, like I said, will majority or most likely will, they will, of course, be in a prenatal. Um, but in the preconception period and when you are pregnant, the most important nutrients as a whole are the folate, the iodine, um, calcium, protein, iron, vitamin D and omega-3. Um, so these are the essential supplements to take while pregnant from a food and nutrient perspective. Um, and we can come back to those supplements in a little bit more detail throughout the pregnancy as well if you want. But from a food and nutrient perspective, um, it's really recommended that women just continue to eat a variety of foods from the core five food groups. So these are the food groups that are outlined in the Australian Guide to Healthy Eating. So this is a really good guide and a really good place for women to start to understand, um, you know, what these four, these five core food groups are and how many serves of these they should be eating each day. Um so the Australian Guide to Healthy Eating should be used as a guide. Um, and in addition to this, there's a lot of evidence to suggest that following a Mediterranean-style approach is really beneficial when it comes to trying to conceive and when you are pregnant. Um, so this, essentially, the Mediterranean diet provides all the, the nutrients that you need and all the energy that you need to allow you know, for fetal growth and development. Um, and it's also been shown to prevent some maternal complications. So things like diabetes and overweight and obesity um, and things like that that may affect mothers as well. So in a nutshell, the Mediterranean diet is really, you know, focusing on whole real foods that are mostly plant-based, which includes whole grains, fruits, vegetables, um, beans and legumes, and then prioritizing fish for the protein. So lots of oily fish. Um, and then moderate amounts of red meats and and other animal proteins as well, um, and then limiting foods that are highly processed, so things like cakes, pastries, and things like that. And they can definitely still be enjoyed in small amounts, so it's not about restricting these foods, but um, just, yeah, like I said, smaller amounts and, and less often than prioritising those really rich um, whole foods. Mm, yeah, so good to know. And like I kind of said to you off our recording before, what do you do if you feel so nauseous and sick in the first trimester, but you you know that you want to consume all these nutrients and you know you want to get protein in? Like I thought that I was going to miss the, like I thought I wasn't going to get the sickness because it didn't hit me till about like week seven, week eight. And I started preparing all these meals. Like I made all these chickpea curries and stuff. And I was like, I'm ready for when I get tired. And then I got felt so sick. And even to this day, I don't think I could eat a chickpea curry because I felt so nauseous because <laughs> I was like I don't feel like chicken or any meat but I'm like if I eat like all the vegetarian sources of protein I'll be okay and even still I just could not do protein so yeah what what do you any tips there <laughs> yeah absolutely and like you said it is so it is really really tricky you know for women who are either experiencing morning sickness and nausea and things like that um 
there aren't a lot of, I guess, non-pharmacological treatments, first of all. So, you know, some women for morning sickness and nausea could try things like ginger tablets and things like that. Um, from For morning sickness and nausea, you know, it's from a dietary perspective recommended, like you said, you know, eating smaller, more frequent meals, but really cold, bland foods um, and avoiding, you know, spicy, fatty or strong smelling foods and things like that. But like you said, from a nutrient perspective, if they're sort of the only foods that you are able to eat and you're concerned, I guess some key tips when it comes to, you know, if we are craving um, or having cravings for these unhealthy foods or carbs and things like that, or we're not able to eat a really rich, balanced diet, um, while it is recommended we follow these five food groups, some kind of really good tips for women who are experiencing this would be, you know, focusing on more nourishing snacks and things like that. So if you're craving things like unhealthy food and carbs, and we've got some really good protein-rich um, and, you know, healthy fat-rich snacks. So little nibbles can often be a lot easier to tolerate to stomach when you are experiencing any stomach issues or any cravings and things like that as well. These small regular meals can really help with that. Um, so some ideas might include, you know, really plain yogurt and fruit, hummus and crackers, um, fruit smoothies or even like you know dates filled with with nut butter and things like that so if it's a craving for unhealthy food or carbs and things like that we know that these sorts of foods are going to help help to keep us really nourished and really satiated but also you know if you are craving those sweet foods you can have a little bit of a date with some nut butter and it's a healthier option but it's still giving you that satisfying that craving um, another recommendation might be you know including a variety of foods at breakfast um, so really balancing out our breakfast and our main meals where we can um, to ensure that throughout the day um, our energy and our appetite is really stabilised as well. Um, and also, you know, having snacks with you on the go. So if hunger strikes and you get these cravings and you've got things ready to go, so things like mixed nuts, trail mix, um, some hard-boiled eggs or, you know, pieces of fruit and things like that um, to sort of fight. I will say as well, you know, if you have these cravings during pregnancy, like have the foods and don't feel guilty about it. Like it's it's fine to then jump on the bandwagon, you know, forth the bandwagon and then jump back on the next day. Um, so we can only be so good for so much of the time. But like you, we spoke about earlier, you know, you don't know how you're going to feel and how your body's going to respond. So it's a bit of a, you know, give or take situation. Enjoy the cravings when they come, but then follow a balanced diet the majority of the time. Mm, yeah, definitely. One thing that I found helped, I would um, find like the cleanest version of muesli bars at the shopping center that had like the highest amount of protein as well. So I found these ones that had 12 grams of protein and like not much sugar. And that was just my go-to. I think I ate so many of those because I was like, well, I'm getting my protein and I couldn't eat anything like mushy or like curry-like or anything like that. Like I had to be have some crunch to it. And mm. I personally found that's like all my tips now to my pregnant friends. I'm like, have muesli <laughs> bars with high protein on the go at least you're getting some protein <laughs> absolutely absolutely muesli bars nuts anything that's got really good fats and good protein in it like just anything that's going to keep you satiated and keep you going throughout the day but meeting our protein needs can be really difficult if we are just craving those you know um i like to call them you know the slippery calories that are just super easy to get down mm. like the chips and the snacks and things like that 
Yeah, and I know like everyone's so different, but some of my friends were like, oh, just wait till you get out of the first trimester and then you'll start feeling a bit better. And then I remember I hit like 13 weeks and I was like, okay, am I going to want salads now? I was like, it's still not happening. And so I did, I like, luckily I felt a bit better halfway through, but I know some people don't get that break either when they have hyperemesis or like things like that happen. So yeah, yeah, it's good to know at least, um, at least having a good, I guess, prenatal pregnancy vitamin um yeah it can kind of cover the gaps (laughs) yeah well that's i I mean a good prenatal will have um will include those key nutrients so while ideally you know it's to have a balance between that and our diet to make sure that we're we're reaching all of our nutrient needs um a, a really good prenatal vitamin should cover all of the requirements for women so that they can sort of safeguard themselves for any symptoms or side effects that they do get throughout their pregnancy Mm. And um, nutrient-wise, does it change much um, throughout pregnancy? For me personally, when I got to the third trimester, um, my iron became really low, but I hadn't done anything different. So I then had to take heaps more iron. Um, Yeah, is that quite common? I suppose nutrient-wise, not specifically, I guess. So things like um, from a nutrient perspective, it's quite similar throughout the pregnancy. The only thing that really does change is towards the second and third trimester, um, you know, we do have higher nutrient needs. So that's obviously preparing our, our bodies for the production of breast milk and things like that later on down the track. So this doesn't so like not nutrient specific, but our energy requirements do increase. So during the second and third trimester, the focus isn't specifically on eating more, but it's eating, I guess, a greater variety of whole quality foods. Um, so this is just best preparing ourselves for that, um, you know, postpartum period to ensure that we've got the adequate production of breast milk and things like that. But from a nutrient perspective, um, it's quite similar. Um, I think the only difference would be, so with iron, I guess it's really crucial that it is where it needs to be in that first trimester. I know um, a lot of women are surprised because, well, they're not able to have an iron infusion in that first trimester. So making sure that your levels are where they need to be is quite important. Um, I will just note here as well, just for those, if anyone's listening that is following a vegan or a vegetarian diet, um, this is something that also does need to be quite well planned. So recommend speaking with a dietitian about planning a really well-balanced diet um so looking for things like lentils and beans and tofu and things like that that can replace animal foods if you are following a vegetarian diet um and then as well looking at taking a b12 supplement so iron and b12 will be really important for this group as well in particular Mm, yeah i was actually following a vegan um mostly vegan diet before i got pregnant and um yeah i just because i was like quite aware of what i needed to be consuming i found it so hard to hit what i needed to hit and then also feeling nauseous that um yeah after the first trimester i was like i actually can't like I, i incorporated animal foods back in and even postpartum like i've still kind of kept that um like i i guess i would say i'm still mostly vegetarian but i will eat like meat and stuff if i go out but yeah having that realization of how much I actually needed to hit I found it personally really hard to do and I think like amazing for those people that can actually do it and can eat all the things they need to but yeah like you said I think that it's really important to go and see a dietitian and like know what you need because it's like not worth risking your baby if you're not hitting the right things no and it's also yeah baby's growth and development also for mothers like they're going to feel if they're not getting all of their nutrient needs specifically after that, during that postpartum period, they're going to feel super depleted. Like they're not going to, all of the nutrients we know are prioritized to the baby during this time. 
time. So once the baby comes out, you know, mothers can often be left feeling a little bit depleted as well. So I guess listen to your body. Like you said, it's really interesting to say, you know, you were following a vegan diet and then mm. just listening to your body and saying this is what it needs right now. And it's actually, you know, it's really difficult to meet 27 milligrams of iron that we need during pregnancy mm. when we're following a vegan or vegetarian diet. But it, it can be done, very much can be done, but just needs to be quite well planned and make sure that you are hitting all of your nutrient targets. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I just found when I kind of got to the mid of my pregnancy, I just like, I don't know, I just still couldn't really stomach chickpeas and stuff throughout. And I was like, I just need to start eating chicken. And I like, I felt, I felt good eating it. Like I was like, oh, I feel so much more filled up now. And yeah, I was kind of like, I just didn't feel that I had the time or the capacity to give it a hundred percent. Like I did yeah. like before, before, when I felt normal and healthy and good that I could do. And when it was just my yeah. own body, but having so, having a baby in that I'm growing, I wanted to just do the best for her nutrient wise um and same with postpartum yeah. I found that when I had her um I wanted my breast milk to be like as good as it could be so I just was like I'm just going to eat all the things <laughs> right now yeah yeah absolutely and I think that's why the Mediterranean approach is also so great because it's like you know we know that the primary focus and same with the Australian Guide to Healthy Eating um, the focus there is on plant foods and it's on whole grains and it's on things that are coming from plant-based sources. It's just that inclusion of things like, um, you know, fatty fish and some really good quality proteins like that here and there and the occasional um, red meat or the occasional chicken and eggs and things like that, that we know is incredibly beneficial for particularly during this time in women's lives as well. Mm. So um, does it change postpartum then, like immediately post-birth? Um, yeah. How does that kind of all work with the nutrients? Yeah, definitely. So I guess if we meet all of our nutrient requirements throughout pregnancy, we know that we've set ourselves up in a way to enable the production of breast milk, specifically, you know, when it comes to um, our protein intake, our calcium intake, our iodine, our choline and things like that. Um I think what often gets missed during this this postpartum period is, um, I guess, women who it's it's more from a metabolic demand perspective. So women who have recently given birth, um, you know, as their body is producing breast milk and they start to breastfeed, their energy requirements will increase. Um, so women who are breastfeeding um, during this postpartum period will require around about, you know, 2,000 extra kilojoules, so it's 500 calories um, each day. So making sure that, you know, while it can be super challenging as new mums trying to do everything, trying to, you know, running on very little sleep and things like that, um, making sure that we're still eating enough of the right nutrients and, and somewhat even a little bit higher requirements from a calorie perspective than what we were having during pregnancy. Um, but again, it's in line with the dietary guidelines. So similar nutrients, similar nutrient profile, um, the key nutrients, I suppose, to focus on during this stage, in addition to the extra calories, would be things like your protein, like I mentioned, calcium, um, iodine, vitamin D, and then B12 as well, and also maintaining your fluids, so making sure you're keeping really hydrated. Um, and you can also look at the guidelines for fluids and, and sort of the requirements and how much of these we need on um, the Australian Guide to Healthy Eating website and get all of the numbers and things that you need from there. 
Mm. And I think um, a lot of people kind of forget to, or they just kind of think, oh, you know, I'm finished being pregnant now. I'll just stop taking my vitamins or whatever. I'll just go back to eating just for me or whatever. And yeah, like I personally tried to keep taking my vitamins for a few months after. And then it just takes like a few days that I miss it here and there. And then I've gone like a couple of months without it. And only a month or so ago, I went and got my bloods done. And I was just like so low in so many different things because I hadn't like as Ivy still wasn't sleeping properly up until recently. And I think the sleep deprivation is just eating just crap and not mm. focusing on what I was doing. It's just kind of, yeah, I'm like, even postpartum isn't just a couple of months. Like postpartum can be quite a while if you still have little ones that are taking a lot from you. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that speaks to this this concept of like this postnatal depletion, um, whether you are bringing breastfeeding you're not breastfeeding there's a lot of things that might happen during childbirth or um you know specifically say for instance blood losses and things during the birth of your child which can really impact your iron and things like that but it's knowing that and it can be so challenging but you still have quite high requirements during this period particularly for the production of breast milk but also just for your own energy needs and your own requirements to make sure that you can maintain um you know the levels of all of the key nutrients that you need but i think for women, you know, foods postpartum-wise and what sort of foods they should be focusing on, something that often gets missed is, like, you know, it needs to be convenient. It needs to be really easy. So, like, acknowledging that having a newborn is really, really hard. Um, so thinking of practical foods that women can eat I think is really beneficial. So um, a lot of new mums recovering, you know, might not have a lot of practical support around them. So, again, following a healthy balanced diet, um, which is similar to that, which they were having throughout pregnancy is really important. But also thinking of things like, you know, foods they can eat with one hand while breastfeeding um, or things like that or things that you can just grab on the go and have sort of like ready-made rather than, you know, that are going to take a while to prepare um, and things like that. So, yeah, I think just speaking to that going in a roundabout way, um, if women are breastfeeding, some other key nutrients that have come to mind as well. Also, there are a few nutrients that a baby needs um, and will be impacted if the mum's intake is too low. Mm -hmm. So making sure that our intakes of things like iodine and vitamin B12 are really, really important. So these two nutrients are important to keep up with following the birth of the baby. And like you said, you know, sometimes it's, you just don't think about yourself and it's all about the baby or you might be a little bit sleep deprived and there's a lot going on. Um, but, yeah, like I've mentioned, when you're breastfeeding, your body needs a lot more nutrients. It uses a lot more nutrients. Um, so making sure we're getting enough to then pass that through to the baby is really, really important as well. Mm. And I think um, like you touched on it before about just like having yeah lots of food or whatever ready to go. I just um, read this post this morning from a postpartum doula about I think as women we just kind of say like, oh, you know, it's okay, I'm fine. Like when people reach out and offer to help or to make you meals or whatever and so much like I had to stop myself from being like, no, no, it's okay. And the post that she had done was all about just say yes, like just get in the habit even while you're pregnant when yeah. someone offers help, just say yes, like just put your pride and your ego yeah. down just be like yes like start practicing it in pregnancy and then when people offer you meals postpartum just say yes no matter how postpartum you are <laughs> even now some of my friends are like a year down absolutely and, yeah if they're having a rough day I'm like can I bring you a meal can I do whatever and still my friends all are like no I'm fine but just say yes <laughs> I honestly the best piece of advice and just having things in the freezer having things that are ready to go that you can whip out and just and you know or meals that you can batch cook and things like that just it's 
you're going, you know, new mothers are short on time and sleep. And the last thing they often want to think about is prioritizing their own nutrient needs. Mm. Um, So making sure that we're still getting enough, you know, breastfeeding or not breastfeeding, just making sure that women are getting enough postpartum is really, really important. Yeah. And even with my partner, because I like would do a lot of cooking for him as well. And whenever I've had like massive days or no sleep or whatever, he's like, let's just buy a whole heap of like those meals. Like there's so many good, healthy meals out there now that you can get that you can just put in the freezer. He's like, let's just have 10 of them in the go at the freezer at any time so that we don't have to resort to takeaway or something that's going to make us feel crap. Yeah, absolutely. And like, there are so many good meal options now. Like you know, you go to Coles and Woolies and they've got such a great range of really balanced, really whole meals that just are super convenient. And from a nutritional perspective, they're great. Like mm. it's come a long way. Um, so I guess use it to your advantage and, and mm. have whatever you can there and, you know, easy snacks, easy things to eat with one hand and things like that as well. Yeah, definitely. So one thing that comes up a bit with postpartum, I guess immediately postpartum, is constipation. Um, what do we need to know about this and how can we help with it or prevent it? Or Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so constipation is actually very, very common during pregnancy and following pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Um, so why it occurs essentially is during our pregnancy, these hormonal shifts, um, particularly an increase in progesterone, Um, So all of these changes, in addition to the growth of your baby, which can put pressure on your organs and things like that, in particular your bowels, can lead to constipation. Um, Other, you know, other factors like often prenatals and things will contain iron, which is incredibly important, but there might be quite a high dose of iron, which can also cause constipation for women during their pregnancy and then during the postpartum phase as well. But post-birth, I guess a lot of women, you know, might be in pain from recovering or tearing or surgery and things. Um, they might have hemorrhoids or prolapse as well. Um, so, you know, speaking with your healthcare team about strategies to or medications to prevent straining after birth is really important. Um, but I guess the key tips for me when it comes to constipation, this would be across the board, postpartum, during pregnancy, everything, are fibre, fluids and movement. So we know that having enough fiber in our diet and making sure we're meeting our fiber requirements um, through foods like whole grains, fruit, vegetables, nuts and seeds. And, you know, if women follow that Mediterranean style approach, they'll definitely be getting enough fiber. Um, But it's super important. So if we're low in fiber, um, our bowels are not going to be regular. Secondly, from a fluid perspective, so um, this is important, really, really important throughout our whole pregnancy and following pregnancy particularly for the production of breast milk. So, um, you know, ensuring good hydration during and postpartum um, and following the Australian guidelines, so anywhere between 1.8 and 2.6 litres of fluid each day. Um, This will vary for some women. It will vary based on the climate, the season and how much movement you're doing as well. But just staying hydrated is really, really important, especially to get those high fibre foods moving. Um, And then movement, I guess, as much as you can, um, you know, depending on what you're able to do when you are pregnant and and following your pregnancy as well, but incorporating some form of movement. Um, So for most women, it will be safe to exercise during pregnancy. And we know that this can really help with constipation. So um, check with your doctor, see what's sort of what's within your scope and what you're able to do um, or with your healthcare provider before you do partake in any strenuous physical activity. Um, But these key things, fibre, fluid and movement, 
are always my first go-to steps when it comes to constipation. Mm, yeah, that's so good to know. One thing that I like always try to do, I think I mentioned it before, but when I'd have like a protein shake, but I try and like jam heaps of like veggies and stuff in there. So I felt like if I was getting just that in the morning, that was like hopefully helping me a little bit <laughs> and I wouldn't have to like physically eat yeah. all the veggies that I needed to eat. <laughs> Yeah, shove it all in a smoothie, get all of, you know, all the fiber you need, all the veggies you need, um, protein and things like that. And that can be something that's super easy as well, both, you know, during your pregnancy or following your pregnancy, um, sitting there with a smoothie and drinking your nutrients can be a lot easier than trying to prepare all these big meals for ourselves as well. Yeah, like I find it would just remove a little bit of the guilt for me if I'm like, if I've done that for the day, like if I have five serves of veggies and two serves of fruit in the smoothie, I'm done. No. I've hit all of my nutrient requirements before yeah. 10am. Yeah, all in one drink. Um, so one thing that I was like just waiting for it to hit me as well, being pregnant, was the postpartum hair loss coming into the postpartum period. And I think I had read that it kind of hits you around three to four months-ish and so I was just like, I have really long, thick hair. And so I kind of thought I probably won't notice it as much. Um, and I guess during pregnancy, your hair is just so thick as well. So I was waiting for it to hit. And then it was horrible. Like it came out all here. Like I just literally having a, my hair tied back as I do as mum. It just like it was so bold <laughs> at the front. So why does this happen? And yeah, what is there anything we can do? Or is it just it just happens? It's first of all, I'll put it out there. It's completely normal so it's like it happens to the majority of people and it just happens because of hormonal changes in our body at the time and it's going through such a big change and there are so many hormones that play a role in this um like you said as well you know normal hair growth should return after about three to four months after you have experienced this um but there are some sort of key nutrients that we can focus on to help as much as we can help support this hair growth and that's biotin um, zinc and vitamin D. So these all play a really important role in hair follicle growth and repair. Um, so things like, you know, the can actually have a postnatal and a lot of um, postnatal vitamins, which we do recommend taking during this postnatal period, do contain each of these three key vitamins. So again, it's biotin, zinc and vitamin D, um, and they'll all sort of help with the, the regrowth of your hair and just to get it back to how it was, um, you know, within that three to four month period. But if if any women are concerned that, you know, it's been prolonged and the hair is just not going back the way that they expected it to, then I do recommend, you know, speaking with your GP about it and seeing if there's anything else you can do. But um, I guess focusing on those three key nutrients is quite a good place to start. Mm. Um, this might be going a bit rogue here, so just tell me if this is not in your scope. But you mentioned zinc before. Does zinc, um, do you know if it helps with stretch marks while pregnant or skin at all? like I heard something about it oh. I actually I'm not sure zinc's one of those vitamins where it's you think of it like the reproduction in terms of like um in terms of skin health follicle health and hair health and everything so boosting your intake of zinc can help with things like that I actually haven't seen anything about um the stretch marks aspect of things yeah. but I know when it comes to you know any sort of follicle growth any sort of um you know skin and things like that both collagen as well and zinc and things like that are super important Mm -hmm. And is zinc um, in all of the kin fertility? Like, uh, yeah. 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 So that's something that yeah. you guys focus on a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So the kin, um, the kin products actually do quite a good job of making sure that all of these kin nutrients are sort of placed where they need to be. So the postnatal has 
all these vitamins, this prenatal has all of the essential vitamins that you would need when you're trying to conceive and throughout your pregnancy as well. Mm. How long do you recommend taking the postpartum vitamin from Kin? Is there a time frame or is it, can it be a multivitamin in the end? <laughs> It can, honestly, like the vitamins that are in there are beneficial to, you know, in addition to a balanced diet. Um, so there is no specific time frame. Um, it just it really depends how long women want to take it for, how long they want to have the support for, you know, if they're not meeting their needs through their diet and they know that they're not, but they're still breastfeeding, they want to make sure the baby's got, you know, all of the key nutrients it needs. And um, yeah, I recommend taking it for as long as you feel like you need the support from a dietary perspective, particularly if you're finding that you're finding it really difficult to meet all of your requirements um, because you're time poor or you just don't have the energy to, you know, to, to focus on it and things like that. Um, yeah, so there's no real defined period. It's just kind of as long as you feel you need the support. Mm, yeah. Um, and I think one thing like for me, because yeah, just being a mom and just feeling so exhausted all the time from sleep deprivation, I just kept thinking that it was just sleep deprivation. It took me so long before I actually got to the GP and requested like a blood test because I felt crap. I just, I think that so many women just are probably like me and you just dismiss your symptoms. And then when I went, I had, it came back with so, I was like low in so many things that I, I was like, oh, it makes sense now. So yeah, I just wanted to say if anyone feels crap, also go and get your bloods done because <laughs> it might just be a few supplement mixes <laughs> absolutely even for you iron alone like you would you, i can't even imagine how you would have been feeling one probably sleep deprived also just having low iron mm. in itself like mm. you feel like a zombie all day every day and it's just the lethargy and like you're not able to do any of the day-to-day -day tasks and mm. it's so to some extent um i haven't had children myself so i don't know what it's like mm. to have that sort of lack of sleep and things like that but to some extent you know you are sleep deprived but i do recommend like you said going and getting everything checked after the birth of your baby prioritizing your bloods and checking that all of your nutrients are where they need to be so that um you know you can best support yourself and your baby and future babies if you are wanting to have babies in the future as well mm. so then when our babies get to the age of food what are some of the key nutrients we should focus on when introducing solids yeah so funny i just mentioned iron then so i um, so up until the age of about four to six months, we know that babies can get um, enough iron through breast milk. So breast milk will have plenty of iron um, and provide all of the needs that our babies need until six months of age. But as we hit that six month mark, this runs out and babies no longer get iron from breast milk. So whether or not you're exclusively breastfeeding or formula, whatever it might be, a really important nutrient to introduce. Um, and the first nutrient that we do recommend introducing is um, foods that are rich in iron. Um, so at Six months of need at six months of age, um, you know, they meet to meet their increasing nutritional needs. Um, so as the iron stores are depleted, we recommend including a lot of iron containing foods. So this might be things like iron fortified rice cereals, um, you know, pureed meat as they start to sort of develop a little bit more um, and pureed poultry dishes and things like that. You might also have, you know, some cooked plain tofu or legumes and things like that. Um, especially for, you know, there's more plant-based varieties as well. But particular um, attention and care should definitely be um, paid to iron. And like we said earlier as well, particularly for those following a plant-based diet, so ensuring that their supplies of iron are adequate um, just to make sure that the baby's development and there are no issues when it comes to, you know, cognitive brain development and things like that for the baby as well. Mm, yeah, because is there, there's not really any way you can check your baby's nutrient like levels is there because they don't do blood tests or anything on babies no and i think 
I think just, yeah, as it's crazy that so because we know at the six months is just the iron is no longer coming through the breast milk. It's mm. just always like sort of best practice is to say, you know, the first, the very first foods that you will introduce to babies will be um, those that are rich in iron. So that's why you see, you know, a lot of um, iron fortified cereals and those rice cereals and things like that. Um, just to make sure, you know, as they start to eat solids, they might be eating really minimal solids, but making sure that those solids do contain some form of iron most of the time. Mm. And like you want your baby to be feeling their best as well, because if they're feeling crappy, like you're probably going to know about it. (laughs) No, absolutely. And just from a developmental perspective, so like I guess iron is so important when it comes to baby's development um, as well. So if they're missing any key nutrients, they're still at that stage where they're obviously developing, they're still building their systems, everything needs to sort of be in balance for them. So providing that they're getting all of the other nutrients from the breast milk, um, iron is one that is really, really important that is not going to be coming through breast milk after six months. So making sure that that's included is is vital. Mm. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, is there any other kind of nutrient-based questions that you see come up a lot in clinic that we haven't touched today? Um, not really. It's kind of the, yeah, the main ones are like what to eat, like, you know, what do I need to have before, when do I need to start? But a lot of it's quite consistent, you know, from the the preconception, the pregnancy and the post. It's like eating a really well-balanced diet, um, ensuring you have you know, higher nutrient needs, obviously, in those last trimesters um, and eating enough for the breast milk production and things like that. They're, they're sort of the main ones. Yeah, awesome. Okay, well, yeah, thank you so much for joining me today, Georgia. It's been so great having you on. I've learned so much and I hope everyone gets like a lot out of this. So thank you. You're welcome. It was so great to chat. I mean, I love talking about this. I could talk about it till the cows come home. But um, yeah, I really hope everyone got a lot from it. And um took home some key learnings and I hope it was you know really simple and people can sort of put this into practice themselves and make sure that they can do what they need to do throughout their different stages of pregnancy awesome thank you Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode um, and anyone came to mind while you're listening, make sure you share it on and help spread the love. Thank you.